And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 226 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How are you doing this week, Brian? I'm getting this weird sense of deja vu this week. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I for like a month now, Brian and GarageBand and his headphones, some combination of the three, so, something, been, yeah. have been in an ongoing war over audio files, um, yep. which is to say the audio file stops recording periodically. Yeah. Yeah, GarageBand just loses connectivity to my to my recording device, and I I have no idea why. We had a couple of weeks there where it like happened once in the middle of an episode, so we just stitched the audio together, no big right. deal. Last week it died and would not come back, so if our quality was off, that's because we used the backup recording I make from Zoom. Uh, and this week it stopped a minute into our recording. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we're we're right back in it here. Yeah, so uh, we got through about this much. Only it was weird and low energy, so I'll take the redo. I was going to say, so not too bad. I like it. Yeah. I like it. We all come out ahead here except GarageBand. We'll see, won't we? Let's get to the comics, though. So I'm going to spring a surprise on you, because we didn't talk about it pre-show. And, uh, uh, is that surprise a certain pet-themed issue of DC's? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I am the yeah. worst at remembering to put digital <laughs> comics in the show notes. As soon as you said surprise, I'm like, fuck, I know where we're going. <laughs> because... I knew you, first of all, I knew you read this because I know how much you're enjoying it. Second of yeah. all, like, holy shit, of course we're talking about it because one of the best pet books ever. <laughs> this is DC's Taupe at World's End, number seven? Uh, number, what is it? Is it number seven? Number eight. Eight. Number eight. DC's Taupe at World's End, number eight. And we get a uh, chimpanzee and a dog and another dog and a horse. And I yes. love them all. This is so good. This is about Detective Chimp and Ace the Bat Hound trying to protect a girl who was left behind when her school bus took off uh, and cornered by some of the zombies. Specifically the school bus that Red Hood and them drove off with because like, it had like the, the big plow thing on the front. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Detective Chimp comes in and, and talks to her. Well, first, Ace saves her. I mean, straight up, just flat out saves her. Yeah. And then um, Detective Chimp comes in. And Detective Chimp can can talk to the other animals, which is awesome. He's a real Dr. Doolittle. Exactly. Um, and then... Um, he looks out and sees a horse who has, so this girl, it starts out talking about how this girl lost her horse, which was a toy horse and it fell and broke, right? 
And then we get a much more serious one where he looks out and sees Comet, who is a horse, and he says, and then there's a horse who lost his girl who fell and broke, which is obviously a much more sad uh, occurrence. And he recruits Comet to take them to the garden in Gotham City. Um, And I don't know if you know who Comet is. Now, I don't think this is canonically the same, you know, that Comet, but there is a Comet that ties in with with Wonder pets. Woman. Right? Uh, nope. It no? is it is a it is a super horse. Comet the Oh, okay. I couldn't yeah. remember if it was Wonder Woman or Supergirl. I yeah. I am vaguely aware of Comet, which okay. my guess of Wonder Woman probably uh clarifies how vague that is. Yes. Um but that's okay. So, um they make it almost to the garden and then have a um a stumble. And it looks like that they're going to be done in by a, a mob that is just too much for them. Because and, there were a girl and a horse, and they both fell. And they both fell, yeah. Um, but then, who shows up but Crypto? Yes. And I love the I love the 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 super quick comment between Crypto and Ace. Yes, that that splash page is just <laughs> I love it. I want a print of that just to hang somewhere to stare at and make me happy. So Crypto looks at at uh, Bobo and says, you live? Yes, I live. Thank you. Hold on. And he turns and looks at Ace and says, still guarding? Still guarding. Good dog. <laughs> it's so it's good. It's I love so it good. so much. And then, yeah, and then that final page, which is all... The girl and Ace and Crypto and Bobo and Comet, like all together, it's it, just beautiful. I love. I it. was so terrified reading this entire issue that any of them would not make it. Right, like I, I I'll be honest. I was expecting Bobo to not make it. Would be the yeah, one. yeah. And then I remembered as I finished. Oh yeah, this one's called Hope at World's End. Right. Yes. This is. The less terrifying of the books, <laughs> theoretically. So good. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're all kind of, they're all deceased, but still, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. Amethyst, mm-hmm. number five. We learn a lot here. We, we do. Um, so I think, I've, I think I've talked about this once before in this series. Um, this is actually really good. This, I think, more than any other Amethyst that I have read probably since, is a direct kind of pickup, or at least spiritually a, a continuation of the story that we got like from the original Amethyst series back in the 80s. Yeah. Um but it doesn't discount anything else that's happened. So there's that. Um and yeah, Amy Amethyst returns to a world that's very uh gym world that's very, very different from how she remembered or left it, and that, you know, like all the am all the people of Amethyst are gone and nobody likes her and <laughs> or, you know, her, I mean the house amethyst, right? Or her specifically, pretty much it seems. Correct. Um, correct. I think I think we definitely talked about this when the series first started, um, and maybe haven't checked in since. That sounds right. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, we learn a lot in this issue about 
some things that were maybe true in this world that Amethyst had not known. And I say maybe because according to Diamond, the the sort of judicial house, right? Uh Amethyst's parents were in fact pretty bad and trying to make a power grab and create tension and chaos so they could consolidate power in themselves. Right. And got caught and their deaths were part of that plan that they had faked their deaths. And as a result of that, that the people of Amethyst disappearing was a punishment. Correct. Yeah, that was that was the the sentence that was passed was that House Amethyst should exist no more. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, we find out that she, you know, she does still have some allies in this world, which is very comforting. So, you're an Amethyst fan. I am. How do you feel about the kind of of revelation shaking up the status quo that this series is doing? I'm okay with it um, for a couple of reasons. One is... Because it re- it's necessary for good to sc- good storytelling in comics? Yes, that's, that's certainly one reason. Um, <laughs> the other is because... Uh, and, and this is one of the reasons I think it, it, it's kind of... Uh, I say the spiritual successor is because that series 100% relied on her, right? It wasn't about the house or, you know, it wasn't like this big political, it wasn't political intrigue where it was, you know, all these machinations where the house had the weight and the power and all this. It really was about her and her story. Yeah. And this is the same thing. Um, The fact that her parents may be these awful people. And again, I'm with you. I say may because I'm not convinced 100% yet. Um. But the fact, you know, that doesn't reflect on who she is and the fact that she is still trying to be what she should be, not, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. Like, as someone with little to no exposure, I think even that much of it reads in what's going on here. Yeah. Let's move on, then, to some Joker War tie-ins. All right. Uh, Batgirl number 48. So uh, Batgirl 48 is um, Barbara's recovery from... uh, In the last issue, she pulled out her implant in order... So Joker, because he had taken over Wayne Enterprises, basically had access to all of their technologies, and that included being able to worm his way into the control programs for her implant and he could essentially take her over. Um, so in order to counter that, she ripped out her implant. Um, and this is uh, a little bit of her dealing with the aftermath of that, um, basically getting it put back in. And in the process, she has to start dealing with her brother who is, you know, back in the scene after the whole, um, uh, infected series, yeah. right? Um, and then uh, the other, the other big piece, the other big person that comes back is um, uh, Lucas Fox, uh, who helps her get it reinstalled. And 
there's definitely a little bit of uh like sh- uh, she's seeing someone else right now but there's definitely a a hint that maybe there is still something between the two of them um cool yeah and this is you know we've only got i think two issues left after this uh, right. So this is very much setting up, and you can see some pieces starting to fall into place about that. Um, you know, wrapping up this and leaving her set up for whoever's going to tell a story with her next. Gotcha. Yeah. How about Detective Comics number 1026? So uh, these detectives are really, um, the, the, the limit of the tie-in for these is that they're set during the Joker War. I sure. think they're even calling it collateral damage. So it's like, you know, these are other stories. And this is a story 100%. This is uh, uh, Batman dealing with uh, Killer Croc. And um, he has kind of set up a new gang in the sewers of Gotham. Um, and so we, we meet who, who these characters are, who are all kind of cool. Some of them I really like. Um, they're all based on different um, uh, creatures that, you know, potentially you would find in a sewer system. Like, obviously, a rat. There's a turtle. There's, a like, a guppy. Um, there's a uh, raccoon. So Now, do um, any of the, especially the turtles or rat, have any kind of ninja skills? Nope. No ninja skills whatsoever that I can Damn. see. Damn. I know, right? Um but essentially, uh, you know, Batman makes a deal with Killer Croc that if he can, you know, basically that they fight. And if Batman can win, then Killer Croc and his group will give up and let Batman help him. And if not, then Batman will leave and let them do it. It turns out that the the chemical that changed these people uh, is actually killing them, too. So Batman wins and is getting them help at Arkham and you know, things end. And then it, it does have one really cool piece at the end, which is, which I, I will share, which is, um, you know, Batman's Batman basically goes in and says, thank you, Wayland for, for letting me help you and these people. Right. And he says, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Batman. And he said, for what? For using my real name. Oh, I know. Right. It was like, okay, that was, a, that was a good ending. I like yeah. that one. You mentioned he started a gang, and I immediately went to this like greaser style aesthetic, and <laughs> you know, at that point, you could call them the Crocabillies. The cro- <laughs> I don't hate that. Batman: The Three Jokers, number one. So this was a uh, this was an interesting book. Yes, this is a long simmering project uh, that goes as far back as pre-rebirth or maybe even the rebirth number one um at the end of john's tenure on justice league batman sits in the mobius chair and he asks it a question who is the joker right um and when we first see it all we get is his response which is kind of a perm it's a batman Um, yeah yeah and then later uh someone asks what the chair told him and he says it told him there were three jokers uh this i think got kind of put on the back burner for doomsday clock and as johns took on more responsibility with the film side of dc comics yep for dc's tv and movie 
uh, project. Uh, and I think they just, I think they wanted to get the art done and be ready to release this thing one issue after the other. Yeah, I think, I think specifically after, you know, the kind of some of the issues they ran into with Doomsday Clock, they wanted to have the whole thing done and ready. Yeah. And I mentioned all of that, one, just because that is sort of where it comes from. But two, I think it's important to set expectations going in. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't really, in any direct way, deal with that old Justice League early rebirth plot point. No, this, more than ever, is feeling a little AU-ish, right? Yeah. I yeah. could... I could see if in issue two or three we get the quote-unquote reveal that Batman has known there were three of them. Right. But it doesn't... I also wouldn't be surprised if we didn't, right? It doesn't... Correct. It doesn't feel like it's it's asking readers to, to call back to that. And like you said, it could be... It very much could be its own continuity at this point. Well, and to be... So one thing, like, to be specific is Alfred is in this. So either it takes place in the past, or it's AU at this point. Yeah. Right. right. That being said, um, there's some things that I'm a little mixed on, but on the whole, I think I liked it. Um, specifically, one of the things is this is being kind of touted, or, or has, is mentioned at least, as being a successor to both Killing Joke and Death in the Family. Right. Um, yeah, like it's definitely picking up on the trauma that the yes. Joker caused to Barbara and to Jason in each of those stories. Correct. Um, and I think in some cases, it, I, I think it does a better job in the death and the family side of it than it does in the killing joke side of it. Um, I mean, I, I will go far enough as to say that I do belong to the camp that says the killing joke kind of just needs to be left in the past. Uh, uh, And that's, that doesn't necessarily, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, That being said, how they deal with it is, is better than I think it was then. Yeah. Uh, it, It really is now just mentioned almost as motivation for her, almost more than trauma which is good. Yeah, and in in the course of what we see in this issue, which is the first of three, right? really it seems like Babs has more of a lock on, has processed her trauma more than Jason has, which fits with how they're both characterized in general at this point, I think. Um, But really, the, the person who we see struggle, I think, the most with this is Jason. Yes. I agree. Um... Which which fits. Um, the other thing is, I'm I've chosen to view this um, more as like its own story and less as that successor or to to those two stories. And I think that allowed me to like it a little bit more. Yeah, I think yeah, you know, it's interesting. You've you've actually read both of those stories, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have not, and okay. I still. I mean, all cards on the table. I don't think I am the audience for this book. I that's, just, that's, that's very fair. Yeah. I don't think it is for me. I don't think there's anything in it that I find egregious or poorly handled. Right. I just, it's kind of hard for me to care too much about it. I, it I, I'm guessing for you, it's, it kind of feels unnecessary. 
unnecessary maybe a strong word i think okay. as as jokered out as i am oh that could I okay think, that works too right i think i was looking for something a little more the first issue i don't think has a lot a lot of new ideas in it i think it's more about taking existing threads and existing continuity and maybe even in some way providing closure on both of those stories you mentioned right i think it's more about interpreting and and working with past beats than moving certainly the first issue does not seem to be about moving anything forward as you pointed out it feels like its own continuity so it would be hard at this point to do that and i think it's been so long since the the sort of genesis of this story for john's that it would be hard to do that yeah um that being said, there are a few specific things I want to point out. Well, um, and I, I, I want to say one more yeah. thing first. Sure. Um, I, I do want to say that like, the art in this mm-hmm. is super, super well done. Yeah. It, it is, is an gorgeous. absolutely gorgeous book. It is. And that ties into the first thing that I wanted to bring up, which is um, it, it starts out with Batman getting hurt, and he comes back to the Batcave, and Alfred is stitching him up, essentially. And there is like th- these three double page spreads of like Alfred cutting off the bat suit and, you know, starting to stitch him up. And we see like all of these scars. And then we get into these things where like it shows like this burn, like this half art burn on his side, you know, the side of his chest where we see like a, and then it shows like a black and white red hot riddler cane yeah. where it's burning him and we see like some scratches some claw mark scars across his chest and it shows the black and white you know catwoman scratching so we see like all of these scars and we see like little one shot of wh- what caused each of these different things it's a very it's not something we see with batman a lot and i liked it yeah i i i do think that sequence stands out we get a similar introduction sequence for barbara that i think is really well done of her working out and like burning out a treadmill watching the news Mm -hmm. um jason is jason he he is yeah um but yeah i i absolutely am with you on that montage that sort of collage maybe is a better way of putting it of of physical trauma to batman Mm-hmm. was i think really well handled yeah and then the the other thing i was going to point out was was indeed the art because it is and then finally is specifically one of the jokers and it's it's the one from the killing joke that that does it is that there's a there's a mention of like uh his i think like his electric zapper and his razor sharp playing cards the and... one the one the book identifies as the comedian right um and his acid squirting flower it was just for me at least that was really fun to see those again because it's i think even jason mentions it he's like wow you haven't seen that in a you haven't seen him use any of those in a long time yeah that was yeah um now if you want a good laugh brian i was going through my comics after i picked them up this week and uh yeah, I, I do curbside pickups, so they basically hand me the bag. I sure. go through them when I get home and make sure everything's there. And I'm flipping through 
the books and then I see this sitting on top of the stack or in the middle of the stack. And let me tell you, if there's anything terrifying to find unexpectedly <laughs> in a stack of comics, it is a playing card with the Joker's logo on it. Yes. Yeah. Um, the other side is the Joker. And that Batman. is super, super cool. Um, that's a, a startling thing to have fall out unexpectedly. I, I, yeah, I would imagine, you know, if you knew it was there, then it's not nearly. But yeah, like, like. It's exactly how the Joker would deliver something like that to you, right? Yeah. It's like, mm, I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, I am curious to see where this goes. I think there is, I, yeah. I think I, there which, is room for some of my concerns to be addressed. There is, and we're, I'm not going to spoil this because it, it definitely is. There's a big thing that happens on like the last two or three pages. Yeah. And... Specifically, his the the com the conversation that happens between Jason and Barbara after that is that's to me so far at least the most in, those those are the most interesting things. Yeah, there's there's yeah. a moment when, uh, see the is that Joker that Joker is the clown. Yes. Uh, there is a moment when the clown, uh, mentions to Jason that when he was begging for his life during the killing joke yep. he offered to become his robin right and that is a beat that i haven't seen brought up often right um i think that as a place to go maybe there's some some room to explore we'll see um i i definitely am going to stick with this for issues two and three and see where it goes okay yeah moving on to something uh lighter Justice League Dark, <laughs> number 25. Okay, I'll go with, sure, I'll go with lighter. And you mean like the colors are bright and it starts out with the sun shining through trees? I don't well, know. Well, and I mean, we, we do get to see a lot of a lot of Zatara on fire and that does cast a lot of light. This is true. Yeah, not wrong. Not wrong there. Um, yeah. and And we see what has to be the best use of finger guns probably in all time that was <laughs> oh my god that moment is so good i everything about it everything about it is perfect um i saw i saw the panel uh-huh where where zatanna finger guns right on twitter before i got my issue cuz this is the problem with dc releasing books a day early is things get spoiled for me. But I wasn't even mad because it was such a perfect panel. Like, Rom V, you genius madman. I love <laughs> No you. kidding. So, Zatanna uses finger guns, and the captions are, Wep, wep, which of course is pew, pew, backwards. Not even captions. She says it. They that's are what I mean. That, that's the, not caption. Yeah, that's the word balloon. Right, yeah. Which is, of course, pew pew backwards. So she unleashes this massive blast of magic from her finger guns. Yes, it is beautiful. Now, I want to ask you a question. I saw this on Twitter. I think Dan Slot asked this on Twitter. Okay. If Mr. Mixit Spitlick is causing problems and Zatanna says his name forward, does he disappear? <laughs> That is a beautiful question. <laughs> um, hmm. 
wow, that you know what that sounds like to me. That sounds like a story that needs to be investigated. I think so too. Yeah. It'll be like that time Bizarro stole Zatanna's magic powers. Yes. Um, I love this book so much. I will always take an excuse to talk about this book. Me too. Um, and we get some good swamp thing here. We do. So I I I I love specifically this issue. I love this whole and I I guess in the last one. This entire kind of uh refocus is probably the because it's not a resetting, like a refocus of this book, yeah. which is Detective Chimp coming to Wonder Woman saying this is where everybody's at right now doing, you know, this and that and whatever. Uh, and we kind of, you know, get a couple of pages of each of them. He was like, but can't you see what's happening? They're all struggling to hold this together because they want to and they need to, but we can't do it without you. Yeah, it's also the first time that this series, I think by design, right, has had the team in a position to be proactive. Yeah. Uh, so much of everything prior to this is they're responding to catastrophe after catastrophe, and everyone's kind of reeling from that, but the practical upshoot of Detective Chimp going to Diana is that everyone takes the fight to the Upside Down Man. Yeah, well, specifically, I, I wanted to, what he ends with, which is, I think, what I, I, like, is just a, a monumentally strong statement to me, which is, he talks about, you know, I know you're afraid that you'll make the wrong choice and, you know, have to live with the consequences. But I think there, and he says to her, I think there comes a time when not making a choice is even harder to live with. Yeah, which is a great moment. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, that's, you know, and it, and it's the old adage of, you know, not making a choice is a choice. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, loved it. Fantastic. Uh, moving on to Wonder Woman 761. This is dealing with the fallout of Wonder Woman's hallucinations last issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, which specifically means that she has to accept help from the last person she, I think, ever oh, wants to. Oh, by far, yeah. Definitely. Uh, one Mr. Maxwell Lord. Oh, God, what an ass. God, I still... You know what? Even though he's, <laughs> he's trying to help, I, I'm like her. I still hate him. I don't care. Like, I don't care if they need him. He's awful anyway. Get rid of him. Uh, yeah, it's... it's I, I really like the conflict that is set up because it's so internal. It's... Such a logical internal conflict, making Wonder Woman deal with whether or not to accept help from someone who not only does she not trust, but who she knows is going to look out for himself, is going to use this to to gain some kind of advantage. Well, and, and straight up he tells her, yeah, I'm a bad guy. Like, yeah, I did all of these things and I was still you know, having machinations go on even when I was captured and you thought you had me on lockdown and all this stuff. Like, he's not denying anything, right. which, like, wow. I mean, and, and like, that that ability, especially in 2020, to, like, stand there and mm -hmm. revel in the wrongness of what you have done, the illegality of what you have done, the just shittiness the cruelty for cruelty's sake mm -hmm. 
reads so contemporarily. Mm-hmm. I like, mean, can you not just see him existing in the real world now? I feel like he'd be an improvement in a lot of ways. <laughs> to some people, yeah. Maybe. Um at least I mean he at least would... he's on at least he's honest about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um speaking of someone who isn't honest about who they are. Yeah, you know, Brian, um we might have been a little quick to judge someone in this book. But we might have we might have been. And she I'm... and her bunny rabbit might have quickly won our hearts. And I am simultaneously heartbroken and horrified and so, so sad. I was waiting for a third H word there. Oh, uh, and uh, heartbroken, horrified, and hella sad. How's that? <laughs> I don't know. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is all true, but I cannot wait for the inevitable, inevitable Teen Titans or Young Justice book with her as the villain. Right? I mean, like, so maybe the third H is happy because I think it's a brilliant move as much as I hate it. Yeah, no, it's absolutely like, I still love this character and I I, <sighs> I, I am all for this character being like the new teenage it villain. Oh, yeah. Like, like Lex Luthor level mastermind teen villain, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so here for it. I love it. I love it. If you want to know who it is, exactly read the book because it's worth it. Yeah. Um. Even, even having seen covers that spoil it, I still was uh-huh. in the moment very, very excited. All right, moving on to Marvel. Um, this next book might actually be my favorite book this week, and that is Daredevil Annual Number One. I did not know what was coming in this issue. Like the whole the whole solicitation text was just the three words one more day. Um Would you have liked it more if the title had been one day more? <laughs> one more day till revolution. There I will is. nip them in the bud. I will join these little schoolboys. They will wet themselves with blood. I knew I could get it out of you. <laughs> yeah, I look, I had to focus really hard not to say one day more instead of one more day. So there it is. Yeah. Uh, some but some buttons are really easy to push for you, Alex. I know. I know. Um, and I'm okay with that. I don't know. That that's nothing wrong push. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. I um I, this is not what I was expecting, but I no. loved it. Um part of what makes me so happy is this I'm gonna say reintroduces a character which wouldn't when we get into it, we'll have to call spoilers immediately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't but talk about this book without that. This so. character reintroduced, or this book reintroduces a character who I think I've joked probably a dozen times at least on this podcast about wanting to see reintroduced. Well, and specifically, somebody at some point read a long box that had this character in it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who it was at this point, but it was way early in the show. Um, and yeah, and I, 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 Chips Darsky, you madman, you <laughs> actually, <laughs> you done did it, and I love you for it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many interactions with him that I just love, like, like Black Cat's interaction with him. 
yeah. was simultaneously awkward and wonderful and yeah. So I guess spoilers, right? I, like I, I don't know so, how to begin yeah. otherwise. I think so. Um this issue is not about Matt Murdock. It is about his brother, Mike Murdock. And you may say, but Alex, Brian, Mike Murdock is Matt Murdock. To which I would say, oh ho ho ho, is he? You could say he was Matt Murdock. At some point in all the reality warping that has happened to the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. a shade of Mike Murdock has become extant. And I hesitate I hesitated with the word there because real is not the word. He is not real yet. Uh he exists now as a separate entity, and he knows that he is not real. He knows that right. all of the memories in his head are fake. So he steals a Nornstone from the hood and uses it to make it so that he has always existed. And that gives us the rest of this issue, which is Showing us Matt and Mike growing up together and the differences between them and the trajectories their lives have taken going all the way back to their birth. Yep. And, like, he is clearly the shady brother. He is clearly up to some shit. Oh, uh, yeah. At one point I mean, we as see a, him... as a kid, he's a grifter already. Yeah. And at one point we see him with his business partner Double, double, sub, double special spoiler on this one. Uh, Wilson Fisk's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting ready to make a power grab together. But it's, it's moment by moment, just the life and the world as it exists now with Mike in it. And, like, we see the day that, the day that Matt had the chemicals splashed in his eyes. We see the yep. day that uh jack was supposed to take the fall and learn why now he didn't take the fall and all these nothing in matt's life other than the fact that he has a brother right is explicitly different yeah nothing nothing about matt's life has changed but we we see mike and we see mike react to going through this whole life and sort of 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 now having the trauma of having lived a life right yeah um, and specifically the trauma of being Matt's brother who their father kind of always thought of as the better son because you know he tried to follow the rules and you know went to college and tried hard, right he he made something more of himself, which is what his dad always wanted for both of them. See, I think I would even ask, though, is, is that is what his dad wanted for them. I would challenge Jack thought Matt was the better son with, I think Mike felt like Jack thought Matt was the better son. Right, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, that's exactly, yeah, that, that and that's what yeah. I meant by that, because this, this is all from Mike's perspective, yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's kind of what I think is brilliant about the one more day angle, like, yep. The the curse of having lived a life is having not always gotten it right mm-hmm. is having trauma. Yeah. Even if it's even if it's a relatively minor privileged form of trauma. Um, or is having done things that have made others make decisions that have blown back on them. 
Right. Um, which again, the the way he and Jack especially fit together in this book is just heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, like there's a point where where Jack gives him takes him into the ring and gives him boxing gloves and says, "All right, I'm going to teach you." And Mike is like, "You never wanted to teach us to box because you always wanted us to be something more." And he said, "Yeah, but you're not. You're, you're not. You're 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 this. You're just like me. You're somebody who's going to live in the streets and have to scrap and fight. And if you're going to do that, then I'm going to teach you how." Yeah, and like, what a like. I love Jack so much in that moment because it's never a "you've disappointed me" moment. It's right, a, exactly. I see but you for who you are. I think Mike took it that way, but that is one hundred percent not what Jack meant. Yeah. Right. Like this issue, <laughs> this issue has no right to be as good as it is. No, it doesn't. But it is. Like it walks a very thin line, and I think nails it at every step. Yeah, and one thing I do want to be clear about and point out, there's at the end of this, like which is back in 100% modern day, um, Daredevil comes and sees Mike, and Mike clearly does not know that Matt is. Daredevil. Yes. Um, and you know, uh, they have a conversation and nothing is really resolved or changes, but like that conversation kind of gives you the footing for where their relationship is at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it so much. I know I keep saying that, but yep. I mean, talk about you know, sometimes you read an issue and you're like, this this is one of the all-time great issues? Yeah. Like, I think this will be a reference in the future as a as a great Daredevil story. Like, yeah. one of the great Daredevil, Daredevil stories. Yeah, definitely. Um, that it stands out as much as it does in a run as strong as mm-hmm. this. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, if you're not, if you're not reading Daredevil, you gotta. You gotta. Anything else? No, so good. All right, let's go to Iron Man Land. Um, Iron Man 2020 wrapped up this week, and by way of by way of setup, I'm gonna just quickly uh hit Forceworks and I Wolverine. Okay. Forceworks is another one of the weird. Got released a long time ago digitally and just came out physically titles. Yep. Um, This was the book about a team including Bobby Morse, Daisy Johnson, U.S. Agent, uh, Bucky? I think Bucky is in the mix. I think so. No, no Bucky. No? I can't remember. Uh, Rhodey. Mm, there you go. War Machine. Um, are sent to deal with a Deathlock outbreak. Um, and it turns out the Deathlocks are attacking because there is a uh giant Ultimo robot. And who else should show up but Modok, who gets the team to work with him? Um, as it would happen, so that he can take over and put his himself at the head of the Ultimo 
and become Ultra Modok. And now come on, Ultra Modok. How yeah. amazing is that? The the Deathlocks, it turns out, were really trying to stop Modok more than anything. I will I, I will I will put this out there right now. Modok is the most heartfelt continuation of the old Stanley Jack Kirby Marvel that still exists. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. Have <laughs> like, I like the just the fact that I mean first Modok himself just because I mean look at him. Second yeah. of all, like the schemes that he comes up with and like putting himself in the head and becoming the Ulta Modok like that is like so spot on like old Jack Kirby style. Well, and I forget plotting. which character it is who points this out cuz it's been for me weeks. Um, but this means that Modok goes from giant head and tiny arms and legs right to tiny head and giant arms and legs. Yes. Yeah. Um, just that visual is very important to me. <laughs> Brian, have I managed to succeed yet in making you read the Alishkot Michael Walsh run on Secret Avengers? I mean, it, I definitely have Secret Avengers on my list of something I would love to get to at some point. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, you need that, to like, uh, that, read young, that, while you're... that and Young Avengers both. Yeah. You need to read that while you're at the beach or something. Uh, okay. that's all. 2020 I Wolverine, uh, if you read the first issue of this, it was robot Wolverine trying to go into Japan to save, what is the little robot girl's name? Elsie. Elsie. To try to save Elsie, this is their then escape afterward. Um, this is the least tied to Iron Man 2020 storyline. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and this for me was a, a more difficult read just because the kind mm. of the way Elsie's dialogue is written in sort of Elmer Fudd speak. It's yeah. It's one of those conventions that kind of takes me out. I I don't disagree with you. It's it's too much for me yeah. personal. And the, um, that's a personal thing, yeah. Yeah. Um that's that's uh the other book though that that then feeds into Iron Man 2020 number 6. Yeah, which I'll be on like uh, on the whole, I, uh, I'd have to say I probably enjoyed the whole Iron Man 2020 thing. I think it did suffer a whole lot from the interruptions that happened. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, this is a resolution that is both, again, heartbreaking. <laughs> um, and, uh, man, I, I'll be honest, I really felt for Tony having to make this decision. Because yeah, I... I think if I have one criticism of this, and I really enjoyed this too. Yeah. I I wish we'd seen a little bit, and it's the problem with the sort of magic trick of it, the sort of right. reveal on Tony's yeah. part. Yep. I wish we could have seen that struggle at some point. I, I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, like they, they couldn't have shown, I don't know how they could have shown it without tipping their hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 I almost wish like there were an epilogue or some place for us to get a little more of that than we have, but this is the end of slots run. And I think one of the things that is the most apparent in this is how much his entire Iron Man run and Iron Man 2020 have all been part of one big cohesive plan. You know what I could have, you know what I could have done with, which would have made it okay. I could have done with a 
um, Rescue Number Three, mm-hmm. which specifically was after this one. Yeah. Which was him talking to Pepper about it, right? Yeah. Some... And maybe and maybe even have like you know Jocasta come in and he you know have a conversation with her about it. like I, I could have that could have been the epilogue for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, I think overall this event has been super successful. Yeah. Dan Slott's whole run, uh, I think, is solid. And we are in place now for the new Iron Man series that's going to be starting up. That's right. Yeah, Christopher Cantwell. Yeah. Um. So so let's call some some spoilers here. Yep. Um. If you are looking forward to that series, maybe you need to know some things about where this leaves Tony's status quo. Tony is back. Tony is Iron Man. Um, maybe Tony yeah. has not doubted himself as much as we might have thought. Um, he has, however, given Stark uh, Unlimited, Stark whatever. It he has given now, his company to Andy Bong. It is now Bong Robotics, I think. Yep. Which yep. is a beat I really love. I honestly... I do too. Would just love to see more Andy around. I don't disagree. Um, Sunset Bane, or Mm -hmm. the robot that Sunset Bane's consciousness now inhabits. Yep. um, Has taken the fall for everything Arno did so that she can take credit for it just because she has to be known to be brilliant. Right. Um, And then... The thing, Tony, the thing that, that we both kind of danced around that we wish we could see a little bit more of Tony's reaction to, to save Arno, who was was still not over the disease that led him to believe that this giant space god was coming, um, Tony basically tricked him into a simulation using the escape and all of that technology essentially to upload Arno into um so that so, he could live on there because his body was failing well and as part of that you know that was the 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 conflict where arnie basically did save everyone from this great threat that happened and therefore because he sa- because he was successful in stopping the threat then it allowed him to live on um i think Ish. we read this differently did we? I think everything we saw with Arno taking on the threat and going into it. Yeah. All of that was part of the simulation. No, I, I get that, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, like, okay. Had, had Tony not made the choice to put him in the escape and create this simulation where this event happened. Gotcha, right? gotcha. Yeah, okay. I... And, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah the, we see the event happen. We see it happen in the escape. Um, And then we sort of go back and see that none of it has happened in the real world. I misunderstood you for a second. I thought you were saying this all happened. And because it happened. Okay. Nope. 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 No, but, but it was the fact that Arnie believes that it happened that allows him to continue on. Yeah. Yes. Um, And the, the robot bodies containing the presences of Howard and Maria go into the escape as well. So they can be, actual people that give the world validity and keep it from collapsing on uh on arno yeah and specifically why we talk about this had to be a hard choice is he talks about how 
But, you know, somebody says something about, well, couldn't you let him know that this is what's going to happen? He was like, no, this is essentially him being kept in an iron lung like it was when he was a kid, which was like his own living hell. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It is bittersweet as fuck. It is. Put that on the trade dress, Marvel. Oof. And Jocasta and uh, Machine Man are back together again. Yes. Frankly, the most important outcome. Um, that and how is, uh, uh, oh shoot, the cat. Well, I was just about to say, um, it, it does have my, this issue does have my quote of the week as well. Brian's quote of the week, quote, quote. Um, which is the first two bubbles of this issue, which is, which is Pepper Potts' rescue saying, wait, Arno Stark was telling the truth? And Dr. Shapiro says, I assumed he was employing a human deception. Like when they say that they prefer dogs. <laughs> Uh, I hope that Dr. Shapiro is in the new Iron Man series. Oh, I do too. This. I do too. Yes. Um, if not, I don't know. He needs to lead the pet adventures. Something. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Yes. All right. Over to Krakoa. Oof. Start with X Factor number two. Um, I, I was reading this, this issue, uh, which takes us to Mojo World, right? Mojoverse. Yeah. And Mojo shows up in his just absolute awfulness. Like, everything about Mojo is awful. There is nothing redeeming or good about him. And I started reading his dialogue, and about a page in, I realized whose voice I now read Mojo in. And I don't think I can ever read Mojo again because of it. Okay. I read Mojo in Donald Trump's voice now. Oh, shit. I bet that's awful. It's awful, and also it works. Uh, I mean, I, um, I don't. Mm, I'd have to. Re I'd have to go through some of his dialogue and try it. But I'm betting you're right. I mean, if you put the two of them to side by side, I don't think I could tell the difference, honestly. <laughs> uh, so the question is: Is your superpower being a a, a nerd, or is your superpower being a slut? <laughs> gonna say these don't have to be mutually exclusive Brian. god i don't I know love, why you're judging me i love these characters and their dialogue with amongst themselves <laughs> it's so wonderful the only thing that might have been better than that in this issue was the chat scrolling when they're being judged by by viewers of the mojo stream so I feel like we should explain, because this has to sound like a fever dream. I mean, it's Mojoverse. Of course it's a fever dream. Fair. Uh, somebody drops off a package on yeah. uh, the Boneyard's doorstep. Mm -hmm. And in it is a pair of shoes with logos on them. Ballet slippers, aren't they? Ballet slippers, yes. Yeah. Uh, that are bloody. And mm -hmm. they trace the logos to Mojoverse. And follow that lead, because they don't know who the victim is. So they follow the lead to Mojoverse to investigate. Uh, and they find out that there is this streaming service where basically anyone to get into Mojoverse now has to go on this almost like old school dating video style stream and talk about yeah. themselves and get upvoted to be allowed in. Or right. they get downvoted and kicked out like Dokken. Can I tell you the, the, the name of this, which I absolutely love because of its 
its dual purpose nature. Please. Which is headshot TV. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Um. So yeah, this is the mechanism by which you get into Mojoverse now, and there is of course the streaming cable package that uh, Jean Marie, her name. Jean Marie, yes. Uh, Jean Marie, who is alive again now, BT Dubs, yes. uh, is back at the boneyard watching all of this go down, which is hilarious. With amazing baby, by the way. With amazing baby. Mm-hmm. Um, such a delightful book. Such now, a weird, delightful book. Can I can I share my other, like the other one that I was struggling with for the quote? Because you know this has to be here. Brian's other one that he was struggling with for the quote of the week, <laughs> which is so they go on they they go on this whole thing and you see the chat messages right where they are um, upvoted and Docking gets voted off because he exposes himself on the stream because of course he does right and th- so they get out and Jean Paul is like where's where's Docking he was like I don't I think he got voted off I don't think he made it through he was like are you kidding me. A pheromone ability, and you couldn't even manage to charm a few horny shut-ins? His response is, or maybe, I'd just rather me and my pheromone ability head back to the boneyard to keep your shut-in sister company. (laughs) Always the shade. Always the shade. I love it. I like that we then cut back and she's kind of into it, actually. I I know, right? The other one, (laughs) the other one is... There's a couple of different places in that chat stream where we just see like uh, basically emoticons, mm-hmm. and the one the one is is iBoy where somebody just puts a whole stream of googly eyes. <laughs> They're very into iBoy, and you know what? If you let me handpick a team of of mutants for, uh, if you let me handpick a team of mutants for a, a live action movie. You know iBoy is going to be at the top of the list. Oh, oh yeah. My criteria for, if I ever get to make my own X-Men movie, I promise you this, Marvel get at me, I will pick the weirdest fucking mutants. Well, it will be and, all, it will be all Grant Morrison characters up in this. But the response is by a username called Cherry Pick'em, which is, they have a whole muty boy made of eyes? <laughs> it's just, it is so brilliant. Oh my god, I love this book. Even more, and I did not know it was possible. Eyeboy, Glob Herman, that girl who's just a braid in the jar. Uh, I'm gonna sneak one Bindus on their gold balls. Sure. Exploding Boy? You gonna put Exploding oh, Boy in there? Exploding Boy is the team leader. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, excellent. Excellent. Uh, Quentin Choir. I mean, just for just for the dialogue humor ability alone, right? Come on. Brew. <laughs> I love Brew. I need more Brew. Anyway, we should move oh, on. Hellions, should. number three. Um, this one's easy to describe. Everybody gets their shit wrecked by Madeline Pryor. And and some of them get eaten. <laughs> some of them eat themselves. Some of them eat themselves. Like, oh my god. And here's the thing. Like, she is the abs. Like, I can't imagine anyone being worse. 
and yet still there's a part of me that feels really bad for her. Well, it's because her whole move here is, I'm going to be so sadistic that no one ever forgets me, yeah. because my goddamn boyfriend forgot me when my basically twin came back from being dead. Yeah, yeah. And then because, I sort of ceased because every, to exist. Everything, everything that she's claiming as her motivation is 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Scott, Scott Summers, this, this is how you make a supervillain. Dumbass. <laughs> I mean, so many reasons to call Scott a dumbass. And this I know, does, I know. This does make it near the top of the list. Oh, and then, like, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know how to react or what feelings I was supposed to have when she, when she responds to Havoc. Havoc, who has just cut the skin flap over his mouth back open so he can speak, whom she then makes out with? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, because, like, he speaks up to her and, like, tells her how full of shit she is a little bit, and, like, the fact that he's that forceful, like, does it for, I, oh, I, like, I don't know. I, I really hope they have good therapists on Krakoa. Oh, my God. Because he's gonna like, need like six, <laughs> like like maybe there was a backup from just before he went on this mission, and they can restore that yeah. version. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I don't know, man. Anyway, it's super good though. It's just wow. This one's the the this one's like the the cringiest in some ways. I mean, look, we've got an X Force book, we've yeah. got a Wolverine book, yeah. We've got a very horny X-Factor book. Yep. And this is the one that's fucked up. I know. Oh, my word. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to Empire, using X-Men as our pivot point. Okay. Can I say I am not upset that we get a book that finally shows just what a ridiculous badass Magneto really is. Uh, no, I am very glad for this, and I love that not only do we get, not only do we get, like, Magneto at peak Magneto, yeah, but it's such a, like, classic, this is Magneto doing what he has always done, we're just on the same side right now. And it is, uh, like, at a level that we do not normally see. The yeah the, the the sort of new piece to this so the Kotati yeah. are attacking Krakoa, uh, and we basically get the whole story told after the fact to to some kids, um, which what a fucked up daycare class that is. Yeah, so yeah, no kidding, right? Can can I tell you that I couldn't? I, I and I know they said his name, but I could not. The, the the leader of the Kotati who attacked Krakoa, I could not call him anything except Aaron because all I could hear was Keenan and Peel going, "You done messed up, a Aaron." <laughs> <laughs> um, we learn in the course of all of this that part of the uh attack protocols that have been put in place because this is like the third time in as many months that Krakoa has been directly attacked. Yeah are that they have taken basically, like, top-tier and or omega-level mutants. Like, top-tier fighters yep. and or actual omega-level mutants. Yes. And basically come up with what I'm going to describe as 
X-Men Legends slash Marvel Ultimate Alliance like it is fusion moves. It is it is tactical creations of and extensions of the blueprint created by the fastball special, right? Blah 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 blah. It's some RPG shit. It is. It's like it's like, oh, if you put these three on your team, this is the super combo move they can do. It's like yes. I'm gonna have Magma find an iron rich vein to blow out of the ground and then have Bobby freeze it to rapidly cool it, at which point Bobby's like, well, it's going to be brittle. Magneto. Oh, yeah. Whatever will I do with thousands of shards of super sharp metal? Huh. And then you see him just tear through this army. Like a wood shred them. Literally. Um, He shreds them so hard that uh, the Ninja Turtles chief nemesis sues him for copyright infringement. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty rough, right there. He gets served uh, and by I, a Rokusaki love... at the end of this. It's weird. There's something. There's there's something else that I want to point out that I that I loved is magic comes to him basically to tell him that they're under attack right by these Kotati. Brian loves a magic thing. Uh-huh. Well, there's so I'm, yeah, there's that, but that's that that was actually not where I was going with this. <laughs> and it is we see in the background we see his red helmet and his red cloak and his white helmet that he's been wearing on Krakoa as you know a member of the white of the Quiet Council uh-huh. with his white cloak and the black helmet with the black costume. Yeah. Right. And she's like, so, uh, yeah, Scott's on the moon, you know, fighting the Kotati, which is, seems to be their base. I want to go join him there if you don't mind getting your hands dirty and, and holding th- and knowing, you know, holding, taking care of things here. He's like, I'll do it. I'll even dress for the occasion. And he puts on his old red uniform. Yeah. Like, I, there was just something about that that was just like, oh, fuck, he's going to mess some people up. Well, it's It's part of, like, like what I said, it gives us this yeah. weird context of yeah. Magneto has not, like in this kind of, of, of situation, changed. He's nope. doing exactly what he set out to from day one. Yeah. Um, and then and then in spite of all of this being like this huge with this bat, we still get the perfect little injection of humor that is like in every X book. Even mm-hmm. even the ones that are just horrendous, like hell, like they all have this. At least some of them, much more so than others, obviously. But it, but all of them have this little. So like he goes out to fight, and the first person, one of the first persons that he finds is one of the cuckoos, because you know to establish <laughs> communications, right? And which one is and, it, Brian? Well, so she's like, he's like, oh, you you've been, you guys have set this up good. Thank you, sir. Of course, Mindy. Uh, actually, I'm Sophie, sir. And his response is, I've got no time for that nonsense today, child. What, which one of you is command? She's like, uh, okay. Like, she doesn't even try to pretend anymore, right? And connects him to uh, Sage, who one of the other cuckoos is with. And he's like, uh, uh, command, can you hear me? We can, sir. This is Sophie. Are you sure? I would have sworn it was Mindy. No, and then she responds, no time for that nonsense today, sir. I'm here with Sage. <laughs> It's brilliant. It's so good. Uh, oh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Then we have Empire Avengers number three. Yes. Um, which spends most of its time in the Savage Land mm-hmm. with uh uh its defender Kevin. With Kevin, yep, and Sean. Uh, 
Shana. Shana, yeah. I love I love getting to see Quicksilver be the badass he can be as well. I mean, I prefer seeing him eat shit, but I'll I know, but it. like it's it's a it's a it's a nice change cuz that is not actually presented very often where, you know, he gets to actually do what he is capable of doing. And then we have Bobby being like the most Bobby ever. Bobby is pretty amazing. Was that absolutely necessary? The, the punch? Yeah, 100%. So like all of these are kind of what's going on in other places while we see the big the big pieces in Empire. Why don't you go ahead and tell me about Captain America, Brian? All right. Well, this is the conclusion of Cap fighting for and and his new band of uh those who are calling themselves the Howling Commandos fighting for uh Mexico City to defend it. And um the willingness of the Kree and Skrull to sacrifice humans to actually end this war, um, which is not surprising. And that was pretty, pretty expected. Um, and then, uh, you know, Cap being Cap and doing what he does to uh, save the day. He's the best at what he does, and what he does is very nice. That is, right? All right. inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> is it still good? Billionaire Island. Hey, maybe billionaires aren't actually qualified to fucking run anything. Maybe they're actually incompetent people who got very lucky. Uh, Ghosted in LA, number 12. We learn the fate and future of the mansion. Wind, number three. Uh, it is time for Wind and company to make a getaway, cause... Things in the city are bad. Action Comics, number 1024, Brian. Um, we get, I know I've said heartbroken like three times in this episode. This is the one that truly, like, I, I think Bendis made a mistake in this book. And we lost somebody who was some a character that I really, really thought could have been a good ongoing creation. And it makes me very sad. Um, yeah, we find out that Red Mist has killed Melody Moore. And... The super family is not happy about it. I agree with you entirely. Batman Superman, number 11. Uh, Batman and Superman show the ultra humanite who's who. Did I say who's who or who's who? I don't know what I said there. Oh my <laughs> there was god. A lot of there was a lot of hues in there. I don't know. There are. I'm also pretty sure I said humanite instead of humanite. <laughs> did <laughs> and i was gonna let that one slide but then when you did it at the end too i was like hey man you know what <laughs> i you be you <laughs> you know what i stand by it and as my father always said at the end of a very long joke setup that i'll never be able to remember <laughs> hugh and only hugh can prevent florist friars <laughs> good lord uh <sighs> Batman Beyond, number 46. Batman, Batwoman. Uh, Damien. Uh, Damien's pet dragon, whose name? I'm, Goliath, that's it. And Dick Grayson infiltrate the Death Star, basically. Oh, well, there you go. Some things have happened in this book, Brian. <laughs> Clearly. The Flash, number 760, Brian. Um... Barry regains control of his body, brings a couple of old... Flash friends back with him, and uh, 
the Flash family's going to fight the Legion of Zoom. Legion of Superheroes, number eight. Uh, the Legion fights off Rimbor's attack, and I'm going to break format a little bit here because there is something format breaking about this issue and the next. Uh, eight and nine are both what I think Bindus is calling art jam issues. Every page of each of these issues is a different guest artist. Mm. Um, so like during the fight in this one, you sort of see what each member of the Legion is doing during the fight. And there's a different artist for each Legion member. Are these artists, are these like, you know, all established? Are they, I'm wondering if these are like artists that came out of DC's no, these are all, I mean, program. some of them okay. may have, but these, okay, I'm are, just curious. these are all artists who we've seen on other books, like okay. all right. um, Doc Shaner, Dustin Nguyen, gotcha. Joel Jones. Okay, yeah. Um, the, the artistic unifier, so to speak, across all of this is Jordi Belair, who covers all but like, colors all but like one page, because uh, David Mack works in watercolor uh so they all look like they belong in one book together despite being 20 different artists mm -hmm. um because you've got one colorist yeah i'm looking at i'm looking at the lists of artists which they were they are kind enough to give you a list of all the artists in the back yeah um yeah the, this this i can't wait to to read this one this is uh this is a book that i have chosen i'm, I'm getting the floppies but i'm gonna read it in trade style i think that's a good so. call yeah. Uh the question, the deaths of Vic Sage number 4. Uh Vic decides that he will sacrifice his own identity if it means he can kill evil. And maybe he learns that you can't kill evil. Uh Suicide Squad number 8, Brian. Uh this is a explanation for why Ted Cord is a bad dude. It's also the, the origin of the Aerie origin and... of yeah, Ari and Wink and their romance, and it is so good and so pure, and I love. It. I do too. Yeah. Chew number two, uh, Saffron Chew's target from book one puts a bounty on her head, and her idiot boyfriend slash partner in crime literally makes a bad situation worse. Nailbiter returns number four. Uh, our heroes, such as that word applies in this book, uh, are beset and besieged by butchers and find salvation from an unlikely source. Amazing Spider-Man number 47, Brian. Uh, continuation of the Sin Eater, and, um, we get, the story moves in a direction where... It may not be something that Spidey can actually fight. Spider-Man Noir, number three. Uh, Spidey and Huma uh, receive some aid from uh, Ironsides, Tony Stark, and an unidentified red-haired spy who works with him. It's, it's Black Widow. Uh, only to learn that there is a traitor in their midst who is a Nazi. They did not see it coming. You know who you know who would be against that? Anyone Joker. who's decent? Joker. That's true. <laughs> also, the Joker. 
Anyone who's decent and the Joker. <laughs> and the Joker, right? <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. Uh. <laughs> and then finally, Ghost Spider number 10. Uh, if you read this digitally, this came out a while ago. Yep. Uh, this is the series finale uh, in physical form uh, in which Gwen is coerced into hanging up her costume and uh, not heroing anymore. Because the storms are monsters. Yeah, they are. Alright, next week's books, which I realized as I was making this week's notes, I know we've done this segment for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Really, we should be calling it this week's books, because we come out on Monday, and these books come oh, that, out two days later. So uh, it's, it's next week from the books that we've just been covering, but it, you're right. Yeah. It's really this week, and that, well, specifically with DC, you know, it, it'll be tomorrow when you hear this. Right. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, that's fair. I think when we usually, when we used to normally record on Saturdays, it was next week for us mm. then, but now we mm. record on Sunday, so it's not even next week for us now. That's true. Time so, doesn't mean anything. And, in that case, Alex, allow me to. This week's books to read. It's this week's books to read. Hell yeah! <laughs> it was kite went, kite man flying by. Uh, all right, I will start. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A contender for longest comic series title. <laughs> we yep. only find them when they're dead. Number one. Uh, this is Al Ewing's new book, which frankly is all I need to know about a book to buy it uh it is a creator-owned series i believe through boom about society that lives off of the bodies of gods and i guess finds them when they're dead right only when they're dead um i'll explain it better next week after i've read it probably yeah maybe i'll definitely have read it i'll probably explain it better yeah there you go uh brian mm-hmm Tell me about Black Widow number one. Oh man! So uh, I, I don't think I need to say anything more than it is a Black Widow series being written by Kelly Thompson. I mean, with an amazing on. artist on it too. Yeah, with Ella, uh, Elena Casagrande as the yeah. artist. Like, like you could not have probably crafted a book that was that was more in my wheelhouse. Yes, it will be fantastic. Uh, the, not, the, I, I would say the only part of this that isn't in completely mo is the fact that it's Black Widow, who I am not all overly familiar. Like, I mean, I obviously know who she is and all that, but like, is, but I'm super looking forward to learn to doing a lot more with her. So anyway, whatever. Yeah, yeah great. Uh, my second pick, Hellblazer: Rise and Fall, number one of three. It's Tom Taylor writing a Black yeah. Label Hellblazer book. Um. I've loved what little bit of Constantine he's written in Deceased. I'm here for more. Uh, Brian, thing yeah. number two for you. Empire, number six. Yeah, so this is the the last uh, uh, installment of this big series, and I'm I'm looking for I, I I'm looking forward to it. I'm super glad that we're we're get, finally getting an ending to this week. We got Iron Man 2020, and next week we'll get uh, Empire. Yes, we're clearing off the slate, and then we're going to get Ten of Swords, and this is basically going to become a Ten of Swords fan cast for a couple of months, I think. I think you're 100% right. And then following Ten of Swords, you'll get uh, 
which I don't know. It, this is going to be the one that I'm not sure if I get into. We'll have to wait and see. Is what the King of King in Black or King of Black? Well, there's King in Black, and then DC's also got something starting in December. Oh uh, yeah, I forget Winter's what it's called. End? Yeah, something like that. I'll tell you in just a moment, but I believe it's Winter's End. Well, Brian looks like, that up. It's in the back of all their endless winter. Endless winter, yes. Yeah. Because um, there was a pre-Flashpoint character called Endless Winter that a lot of people think this will be about. Now, Alex, um, did you have another next uh, this week? I did. This I book? have one more. Oh, go. Yeah, go. Um, and I mentioned this one because I had, I had thought this was maybe not happening anymore because of mm-hmm. all the hiatus. Um, it had been solicited, then I never saw it resolicited, and then it popped up on the list for this week. I was like, oh, fuck yes. Uh, Sex Criminals Sexual Gary Special Number One. Um, this is a one-shot focusing on Sexual Gary, and we okay. only have this and number 69 left, so, like, I feel like any Sex Criminals that is yet to come out is precious to me at this point. Very good, very good. All right. Now, Brian, did right. you have something else here? I did. You had asked me last week if I had seen the Suicide Squad computer game trailer. Ah, uh, yeah. Computer game. Thank you, Grandpa. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> I know. You <laughs> just built a new gaming computer. You're very excited. I am, I am very excited. About it. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. Um, uh-huh. I, I did watch that. I also watched the new Gotham Knights video game trailer. Uh-huh. And can I say that I am... Oh, so super excited about both because hell yes. <laughs> um, these are these are essentially both sequels. Well, sequel-ish to uh, Arkham, the Arkham series. Um, Arca- what- Gotham Knights is not Gotham I, Knights I know, is I, I, its own I, continuity. It, I understand that, and that's no. why I said kind of. I mean, it's not. It is. Yeah. It is if you ask them set in its own continuity, but the game style and the type of game, like it's very much a similar well, property. It's made by EA Montreal who, right. EA published those and EA Montreal developed Arkham origin. Yes. So spiritual successor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like same vein of game is what yeah. I'm well, getting. Yeah. And Super, the, they're going to be amazing. Though. The That's only the reason I get end. pedantic about it is because right. I've wanted to see them do this for a while where they kind of yeah. just say, fuck it, why worry about continuity in video yeah. games and tell right. the stories they want to tell. Yep, I like that. But yeah, these are super good. Specifically, I like the I like the setup that they have given Suicide Squad. Yes. Which is that Brainiac has come down and taken over taken control of the Justice League and the Suicide Squad is sent to stop them. Yep. Love it. I can't wait. I just I love the way all of those characters are written. Yeah. The only the only thing I could ask for them to do more would be find a way to add in Wink and Airy, but <laughs> I get that those are newer characters and this has been in development longer than would allow for that. And can I say finally I get a Captain Boomerang that I like again? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I think that does it for us for this week. It does. Yes. Uh, I'd like to thank, we'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. 
get merch. I have a new shirt design that I'm working on that I need to show you, Brian, when we're done recording. All right. Uh, at bit.ly slash panelology merch, capital P, capital M. If you want to write into us with questions, comments, or whatever, uh, that's bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. And hey, let me suggest to you an or whatever topic. Uh, we are starting to plan the 2020 Spooptacular. If there are horror comics you want to see us cover, shoot us a message there. Let us know. Throw them in. Uh, I know sometimes like we use that to catch up on things that each of us have mentioned in the year prior. I know that this year, like I at least want to catch up on some of the Hill House stuff. But uh, if there's stuff that's not on our radar, feel free to shoot it our way. No promises that we can get to everything, but uh, it would be cool to hear what people want to hear about yeah um and then we're on youtube which i mentioned because hey subscribe like things i tried this week to record the video i promised about my database that i use QuickTime recorded 39 seconds of it said it was still recording but stopped anyway so i'll try oh, wow. again has, it, has your QuickTime been talking to my garage band i think so <laughs> i'll try again this week i wasn't about to try to undo everything i had just done to my database yeah fair enough um i'm alex and i am brian all right it's this week go read comics